Beautiful, beautiful afternoon on this Wednesday. Hope all of you are doing brilliantly and you're staying safe and your well-being is taken care of. Again, welcome to another episode of Rethink Culture. This series is made possible by Chief of Heart, a culture and diversity science company. I'm your host, Mila Dufault, founder and CEO of Chief of Heart. So today, I will be dismantling abuse in conflicts. We are seeing an increased amount of abuse from rising conflicts of thoughts and beliefs and practices. We see it online, on social media, and in reality, when real conversations are had. We see it in schools, when power comes into play, professor versus student. We see it play out at the workplace as well. Conflicts come out when there are differing aims and methods, competing or disparaging goals, differences in philosophies and personalities, misunderstandings, frustration, stress, and burnout. Most of the time, conflicts become louder and louder, where abuse seems to become a common way to oppress others to gain and maintain power. Today, we will be dismantling abuse in conflicts and explore ways to humanize conflicts. I have a very special guest with me today. She is Epic. She is the founder and CEO of The Black Ship Survives. Without further ado, let me bring her on, Roxana Safdia. Welcome, Roxana. Hi, Mila. Nice to be here. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. No, it's it's so great to have you, you know, Roxana. I have been I, I connected with you back in two thousand seventeen. Right now, I kind of like to stop you on Twitter because <laughs> the work that you were doing on Twitter was just fantastic, quite fabulous, and it gave me hope. It gave me a sense of safety because of whatever I was going through in two thousand seventeen. Uh, and you spoke a lot about conflict and you still do speak about conflict and overcoming conflict and breaking it down and you give people hope and you give people resources and tools to take their confidence back and to humanize. And I want to highlight this, humanize and all your sessions, you focus on humanizing it and taking owners in discussing all of those. So it's such a pleasure. It's so humbling to have you on Rethink Culture. Thank you for being here. Yes, no problem. Yeah, like we, like Mila said, we know each other for quite some time and we connected and we've done a few things together. As always, I love, you know, being part of, part of our platform or speaking whenever it has to do with conflict, just because it's just one of those things that are misunderstood, especially when it comes to abuse too. Right, right, especially. And uh, you have a lot of expertise in breaking it down. I love, I love watching your shows, especially on Instagram. <laughs> it's, it's just fantastic. So I want to go right into the discussion. So for viewers over there, viewers, if you're listening from YouTube, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever that you're tuning in from, please do say hello in the comments and ask any questions to Roxana as well during our session. So let's start, Roxana, as to what is conflict? So people can have a a gauge as to identify, okay, this is conflict. Because a lot of the times, people don't realize that it is conflict. People think, oh, it's just the job. That is just how I must behave, and I deserve that. No one deserves how to be treated. So let's start yeah. with what is conflict? Where so can I, conflict occur? Yeah. 
sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I think it's just very important to break this down a little bit more. Um, conflict is basically two, um, it's like a huge fight. It's a huge disagreement that needs a third party usually to come in, either facilitate a conversation or mediate through the conflict because everybody is stuck and nobody knows how to move forward. Now, I wanna break it down a little bit further because a fight is just a disagreement. It's a difference of opinion, but those two parties usually could work it out. They can come up with a great solution or set some sort of boundary or whatever it may be. But when you're reaching the conflict level, you need somebody else to come in. And that's why it's so important for people not to get stuck in their views, especially when it comes to conflict, because there has to be some sort of give and take, or there has to be some sort of collaboration on both ends to come up with a very creative solution. Usually, in my opinion, a third party needs to come in and do that sort of work because they've tried already. That's why it escalated from a fight to a conflict. I love how you mentioned that you need some point of collaboration in order to find solutions, mm -hmm. right? People often think that a solution during a conflict is only one person's way and then the other person's needs are dismissed, right? Yeah. And I always uh, talk about this too because a lot of people get a lot of terms confused, sort of like you got to compromise. So we see the word compromise come up over and over and over again. The interesting thing about compromising is that both parties have to give something up. Nobody wins or loses. It's like the worst possible, well, not the worst, but it's like the second best. Everybody's giving up a little bit of something. Compromising is that you win today, tomorrow I'll win. Just because mm. everybody's walking away with like less than a desirable answer or solution. What you really wanna come to terms with is collaborating on some sort of effective solution. And collaborating, it's, it's harder than it seems because it takes a lot of time to get to that collaboration stage with somebody that you're at odds with. Right, no, I absolutely love how you put it, right? There's a difference between collaboration and compromise. And this is such a fantastic, fantastic term to deep dive into. Oftentimes we hear this narrative, right? Being used this term, especially used, let's have a compromise in family setting. And and I want to emphasize this on family setting because the leaders that we see in our society at the workplace or in school are the leaders who come from home. How are they resolving conflicts at home, right? However that we are behaving at home, that kind of transfers a little bit into the workspace. So in the workspace, let's focus on workspace. We talk about conflicts at the workplace and, and we hear managers or leaders saying, oh, play nice. That is one one narrative that I cannot stand. Playing nice, it's not about being kindness. It's not about really understanding the root cause. And playing nice is often related to compromise. Right? You win today, and then tomorrow I will win. I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think when somebody says play nice, they're actually trying to cut you all the way down. They're trying to police you. They're trying to take away your voice and your value. Because nice is just one of those things that, what, what's nice? What is nice? Mm. And everybody has a different opinion of what nice is. Um, nice is basically just laying down and just going along and being a people pleaser and all that stuff. If that's what it looks like in a work setting, you're not being valued.
Mm-hmm. So I can see why it rubs you the wrong way because after several times of hearing clean eyes, it means what I have to bring to the table isn't valued. Mm-hmm. So you're devaluing yeah. people at the same time. Right, right. No, I absolutely love it. And this is like the narratives that we need to 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 eliminate or eradicate, right? Because it is part of the conflict where people don't even understand. But let's go to, I want to transition a little bit. So we spoke a little bit about why collaboration is so important as opposed to a compromise. And we spoke about, you know, what is a conflict? Where can conflicts occur? I want to dig a little bit deeper into what are the different types of conflicts? Uh, you know, you have been in this space for years, you know, mediating and, and having expertise. So let's let's identify the different types of conflicts. Yeah. I think it's important to also not only identify the conflict, but also break it down a little bit further. And I think this is where you're going with this, is to realize what is abusive. So mm-hmm. now we're getting into a whole other different space because abuse is power and control over a person, people, a group of people, things, animals, things like that. So that's when you start seeing abusive behaviors really come into play. Like in the workspace, you're going to see somebody who has power and control over you, who naturally has power and control over them, either their managers or their bosses or whatever it may be, because they're giving the other person monetary value or like their paycheck, or maybe they're in sort of like, you mentioned the carrot and the stick, sort of like, maybe I'll get to get an increase or some sort of promotion. And that's what happens often. They're holding something and keeping you stuck. Even though you're extremely displeased with the corporation or the company you're working for, they're just keeping you stuck by dangling the carrot. And they do this a lot, it's power and control. Once you feel like you can't express yourself in some sort of setting, usually think about abuse. That's the word abuse coming into play. Okay, do I not feel heard? When I do verbalize something, are they minimizing my struggle or are they gaslighting me? Gaslight is a huge, huge thing. So also manipulating. Are they making me work overtime (laughs) for free, essentially, because I'm a person of color? Or, you know, all of this stuff needs to be taken into account. And I mean, we could talk about it on and on and on. I love what you mentioned about the different formats, right? Uh, Manipulation, gaslighting, retaliation is a form of abuse as well uh, in complex. So I want to talk a little bit about manipulation. Because oftentimes people, when they are in a situation of conflict, right? When they are in a conflict, oftentimes that you, you, go into this myopic vision as to you have tunnel vision as to okay i'm being in a really viscous situation i'm not able to find find solutions or resources to to help myself how can manipulation look like and manipulation how can that transfer into retaliation yeah so several things need to take place during the manipulation problem either the other person's not trying to take accountability for what the issue is and it festers. Um, And when that happens, there's different things that happen. Either they can go into like, again, minimizing the conflict, pretending the conflict isn't there. And what happens is when you don't address any of those things, the conflict grows and grows and festers. 
And people start feeling like I'm not valued or heard in this setting. So what do they do? They start getting resentful. And then they start learning how to do other things to compensate for the compensation that they're not getting. So sort of you see like people either stealing from work or pretending that they're working, but they're not really working because it's just the nature. You're not being valued. And these things usually go unheard and unspoken about. It's just something that happens. And usually either somebody gets fired or whatever it is, but the initial issue is never resolved because what do they do? They bring somebody else in. You identified a great, great point in regards to resentment, right? Someone pretending to work because they're not valued. And, and, when, and that's ostracization. That's isolation in, in a certain form. When someone is not valued, uh, to your point, your voice is not being heard. They are not being valued as an integral part of the team. When someone's voice is not included, it impacts on their emotional state. It impacts their mental state as well, right? And there's a correlation when someone loses purpose, or it's just like in a family when when <laughs> when you feel like oh, I'm not part of this family anymore, especially when I'm, I know this is, I'm like jumping, I, especially when two single parents. Right, and they uh, and they meet each other, and they are combining family. Right, children often are caught in that conflict, conflict of the merging, the change. Right, and they often feel like, okay, I'm no longer part of this, and there's a lot of disagreements coming about, and that results in a conflict, the disagreements. Um, you know, or you're not part of my family. You know, you're not my sibling. You know, that kind of conversation. So when that comes into place, there's resentment. And when resentment is present, the child, not in all cases, but disengages from family gatherings, right? Uh, the children will, they, they will just walk away in family picnics and they will not come to dinner and they will not do house chores and they'll start hanging out with friends, you know, hanging out at the friend's place. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of behavior is mirrored at the workplace too. Yeah. Not all times. But, but when you see in homes, it's very important because home life is very different than work life, obviously. Right. When you see it in children, usually if there's some sort of conflict that's not being addressed, again, the resentment grows and they start acting out acting out, becoming rebellious, you know, doing things that they shouldn't mm. do. Like I mentioned, if you're not being heard or valued, okay, because they're not really taking accountability for anything, you're going to feel like not space, not safe in that space. And safety right. is a big thing for each and every one of us. I think that's the main thing that everybody should practice. When you're in a safe in any relationship, work, home, whatever, school, friends, relationships, like romantic relationships, what are you going to do? You're going to lose respect for the other person and you're going to start to act out. And you're going to do things that you usually wouldn't do or because you can't have that transparent conversation with somebody else. There is a roadblock. Every time you try to have that conversation, it depends. You get either like policed or somebody comes in and says, no, you're not really having a real conflict or just shut up about that or whatever it may be. So there is this like roadblock. And Mm -hmm. it depends on what kind of mindset you have and what kind of mindset the other person has. Do you have a fixed mindset or do you have a growth mindset? 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people in power tend to have a fixed mindset because it values to them to devalue other people. No, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about that. That's the end of it. Move on. Let it go. But it's important to the other person. Mm-hmm. So when you're not being heard, nothing could be resolved. And that's mm-hmm. why I prefer to bring in a third party who is neutral to the conflict to help both of you have a conversation. It's important to also know who you're dealing with. Do they have a fixed mindset? Do they have a flexible mindset where, or a growth mindset where you could have conversations and ask questions? Mm-hmm. Asking questions is a big thing. Are they open-ended? Are they closed-ended? Like, how does that look like? And the response that you're getting. Yeah, I absolutely love how you just broke that down. And you mentioned about safety. Right, mm-hmm. the psychological safety is such a huge piece mm-hmm. in in it for someone's purpose, for someone's belonging, for someone's being, someone's value. Right, when people feel that they are safe in the space, automatically their performance goes up. Automatically, their productivity goes up. Performance and productivity, in a sense, where um, it's not about okay, you hit all those numbers. Performance, as in they become more creative. They t- become more uh, uh, have ownership in taking uh, new projects and all of that, right? Yeah, when you're See, understood and safe in any scenario, what are you going to do? You're going to say, I feel safe. I feel heard. They understand me. I'm not getting judgment. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting criticized. I'm not getting put downs. So you automatically feel good about showing up wherever it is that you show up. And right. it's Safety is a huge thing to talk about and a priority for anybody in any relationship that you're mm. in. Absolutely. And and I I absolutely love that because you just said and that's so important, right? And in, in any space that when someone's leading at the workplace in school, wherever, you are still showing up as a human, right? Um it's it's like <laughs> it's like you go on top of a mountain to bungee jump and you have that string what not the string <laughs> that rope <laughs> string your hair, but rope so you kind of like secure yourself right but imagine if you don't have that rope securing you right and you jump and you know you're going to get hurt or die but with that rope you know that that safety the safety of your life the safety of your well-being and yet you can experience whatever that you want to experience that that's a I, great 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 analogy you see it like if you're gonna jump off you have that fear it could be that fear of having that conversation with somebody else like mm-hmm. you don't know where the conversation's gonna go you take a leap right and then finally when you're free falling you're just sort of like oh i don't know maybe 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 and then finally when they just give you the space so you could be yourself mm-hmm. people who experience safety usually open up and reveal everything that has been holding them back because that's what they crave. Everybody craves Mm -hmm. safety. If you don't have safety in a relationship, it's sort of like you mentioned, like bungee jumping without that cord. Uh, (laughs) It's not going to turn out well. If you offer and give somebody else that safety, when they do reach that level, they automatically go, it's not a bad conversation. It was a hard, difficult conversation. Yeah. I'm glad we had it because now we could actually grow in our relationship. And you need to have this with every single person in your life. 
every yeah. single person. It's not only for work. <laughs> I, I love what you mentioned about fear, right? When you have that safety, the fear goes away. That's vulnerability, um, that's trust, right? And, and in the space of safety, um, in a space of like abuse, when abuse from conflicts are coming out, when you have safety, fear goes away, depression kind of goes away, confusion goes away, right? And oftentimes people don't think about this, loss of sleep. How many times when you are in a conflict, especially abusive conflict, right? How many times do you toss at night, toss and turn, uh, your sleep cycles is, uh, is affected, right? You can't fall asleep or you wake up at 2 a.m. having anxiety, depression. Uh, and then another thing is that unexpected or unexplained change in behavior. To your point, Roxana, you mentioned about pretending to work or acting up or doing something else. That Those are all unexpected, unexplained change of behavior. And also deprivation of liberty, right? Like the liberty is taken away and sometimes people experience unexplained pain or illness. Mm -hmm. It's these are all signs of when indicators when when safety is not present and all different aspects of someone's well being or being shows up in this yeah. form. So I just like to expand on that a little bit because a lot of people mm -hmm. don't realize that their physical symptoms are actually connected to their um, mental health. Usually, mm -hmm. if you're not sleeping and you're getting your sleep dysregulated, that is going to have major implications on how you're going to feel the next day. Even like mm -hmm. one or two nights of you not being able to sleep, you're going to feel it in your body. And there's this great book called The Body Keeps a Score. Usually, if you if anybody has read that, they know that the mind-body connection is real. And we need to really pay attention to what's going on because a lot of people environmentally, they might mm -hmm. be okay at home, but then they go to work and they're in a toxic work situation. So how can you not carry that back into your house? And mm -hmm. it's like a cycle that mm -hmm. keeps going because you're not happy in one area of your life. It's just like if at work, everything's going great, but you're having a really hard time at home, it's going to show up in your work. And eventually it's gonna affect you physically, where a lot of people have like these crazy phantom pains of like, oh, my shoulder hurts, or like I'm getting a lot of jaw pain, I'm getting all these migraines, I throw up, I get like bubble guts, I get diarrhea, I throw up often. Every morning before I go to work, I throw up. This is normal for somebody who has a toxic work environment. And mm -hmm. they sit in their car and they don't wanna go into work. And they're wondering right. why. A lot of people I feel like in abusive relationships, they don't realize that they're in abusive relationships. And that's the key. A lot of people say, oh, if you're in a toxic relationship, leave. But it's not that simple. It's mm -hmm. not simple to say, first of all, victims who are under any sort of abuse, they don't like to call themselves victims. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard for them to even open up and share that safety that yeah, they believe that they've been abused. When you ask them questions, and it could be like easy follow-up questions, like how do you feel before you know you encounter this person? Or tell me a little bit about your situation. They start opening up and they start letting you know, this is what my experience is. But I don't think that that's abuse. I just think we're in a fight. I think mm -hmm. we're in a fight. And you're like, 
no, that's abusive behavior because they're not able to say that's abuse. Abuse is such a big word that it intimidates a lot of people. And I always like to tell people, this isn't Hollywood, you know? <laughs> a lot of people feel like abuse is like Hollywood, like, you know, TV shows and movies. And it's like, no, this is real life. If somebody's gaslighting you on a daily basis, that's abuse. So let's talk a little bit of gaslighting. So our viewers and listeners can get a grapple of what it means. What is gaslighting? How can that manifest? Yes, yeah, so gaslighting actually comes from a 1942 movie. It's called Gaslight. And in this movie, the husband was actually like hiding things from the wife and making her go crazy. So sort of like he'll like move a piece of jewelry that she knew was there. And then he'll be like, I don't know where it went because he was driving her crazy. He was actually making her doubt her reality. And a lot of people do this and it's so common. It really is, it's more common than anybody thinks. It's sort of like right now, right? We're having a conversation, you and I, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Before we logged in, I texted you and I said, hey, are we still on? You could have been like, hey, Roxana, I sent you an email. How come you didn't get it? Huh? You sent me an email? And let's say that you didn't send me an email, but you're still like telling me, I sent you an email, go check your inbox. And I checked my inbox, nothing's there. That's a form of gaslighting because maybe you didn't want to take accountability for something. So it's like so common. People do this all the time to escape accountability. And that's what happens. They don't want to say, oh, I messed up. They don't want to take ownership of, you know, whatever it has happened. And in order for you to grow in any relationship, you have to take ownership of something. And I feel like with victims, they take ownership so much to the point where they're a victim. It, everything is placed on their shoulders because their abuser doesn't want to take accountability for anything. And I talk a lot about narcissistic abuse and narcissistic abuse is a person who thinks that they're entitled to abuse you no matter what their label is. So a lot of people do this because they think, oh, I'm your mom, I'm your dad, I'm your sibling, I'm your boss. You have to do what I say. And it's like, no, it's not okay for you to gaslight me because you're my mom. It's not okay for you to gaslight me because you're my dad. And when you confront other people of like the discrepancy, usually they come back and they say, but this is my label. I'm your spouse. I'm your this, I'm your that. It's interesting. Oh my God. It is so interesting when people use identity markers, right? Like stairs, I'm your mom, I'm your friend, I'm your manager, all those identity markers. And we see also, uh, like I was going to write about this, is gaslight on gaslight. And this is secondary trauma, secondary abuse by peers. And mm. this actually is really hard because the victim knows that First, you're going to be able to say, okay, I was abused. And then you're going to get criticized by your peers, anybody who's in your, you know, safe circle. It depends on who it is. And, you know, if you have a couple of toxic people in there, they're going to judge you anyways. Right. But secondary, you're going to have gaslight on top of gaslight. And people are really afraid of this because not only do they not have the space to like open up and heal because they don't have that safety, then they're going to get criticized by a third party and that keeps people in abusive relationships. I think it's important to understand why people stay in abusive relationships. It's not easy to just leave. Right. And 
that's a great, great point that you brought up, right? Um, I want to touch a little bit on gaslighting. Let's bring it to the workspace. Mm-hmm. Workspace gaslighting women of colour or people of colour. This is such a common, common behaviour, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though there are research, research saying, you know, a lot of organisations are recruiting people of colour into the organisations, and yet only 4%, only 4% will move up into leadership positions. The rest of them struggle and struggle and struggle. And from research, like speaking to quite a number of coloured women, most women have shared that no matter what they try, it is not good enough. And and like to your point in gaslighting, right? Like the managers would say, I sent this to you. Didn't you receive this document? Or moving the meetings, right? The meeting was supposed to be at 12 o'clock and then they move it to 11 a.m. or 1 p.m. And the per- usually usually the case is earlier. So the per- it looks as if the person missed the meeting. Mm-hmm. So the person will show up at 12 p.m. like, oh, where's the meeting? And then they'll say, oh, didn't you get the email? I sent you an email, right? Or didn't you get the memo? I told someone to tell you. And that all of them are <laughs> in a click, right? So those are the things that goes on. Sorry, you were going to say something. You're going to get into it in the workplace because it's so, it, it's, it's a white supremacy space, right? right? So as a person of color, you're always going to feel devalued either by another work friend, work peer, or a boss or some sort of anybody. Because what happens is, let's say that as a person of color, you're open and transparent, you go to HR, you're supposed to like file a report on somebody who said something to you, right? You go to HR, you tell them, listen, I had an experience with Susie from accounting. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And Susie (laughs) did this. What are they going to do? They're going to tell Susie from accounting and she's going to say, well, she gave me attitude or she talked to me like this. Meaning I had to tone police her because I didn't like her delivery. I didn't like the way she was speaking to me. Therefore, I think that it's okay to abuse you. We see this so much and we're seeing it on our spaces. We're seeing it on social media today. I saw it on social media today with the um, black and white challenge. (laughs) Today it's happening. And um, a lot of people don't understand what certain things are because they can't break it down. Like for, Mm -hmm. for example, Everybody posting the BMO black squares. Everybody did it. Everybody fell for it in some capacity. Some people realized it, took it down. I was one of those people. I took it down and was like, no, this is not okay. Also decided to make follow-up posts of certain things that were important to me. But there were many, many women, especially white women, who were very upset that I said anything at all. They said, they uh, threw words like, you're being divisive by even continuing mm-hmm. to think about this. And my comeback to them was, it's not being divisive if we're highlighting and we're bringing awareness to a certain topic. We're being divisive by not speaking about it and we're right. actually making you comfortable because you don't wanna hear it, you don't wanna change. You don't wanna say, oh, I have a hand mm-hmm. in this. And we're not, I'm not saying, cause a lot of people are like, oh, well you hate 
play people or whatever it may be. And it's like, no, I don't actually. <laughs> you don't know that. We're just talking mm -hmm. about something that is very sensitive to us. And why can't we talk about it? Why mm -hmm. can't, that, that's the thing that always gets me like, why can't we talk about it? And then you get words like, yeah, you're being divisive or, you know, that's not really loving. And that's a way to gaslight the person who is talking about something that's important to them. You're policing their message because you don't yeah. like the message that they're saying to you. It's hitting you, it's triggering you. Instead of you sitting and doing the work of the trigger, you're projecting and becoming defensive over it. And a lot of people, in order to avoid accountability, what they do is they become defensive over whatever topic it is. Instead of sitting there and absorbing it and say, ooh, okay, I could learn from this, or I've done this a time or two, let me do better. Right, right. I I loved what you just mentioned, you know, uh, the, the narrative that you heard from women, especially white women, saying that you're being divisive. And, and, and division, Right. From their lens, they're looking at as division and they're saying that we need to have loving words and, and all of that. So this kind of behavior is coined as, I, I call it privilege bullying. When you come from a space of privilege, let it be if you are a white female, white man, if you are male at the workplace, even within communities of um minorities right that's colorism and one one group ethnic group sees themselves as dominant as the other and they use their privilege so i call this privilege bullying and when we identify privilege bullying people often come from a space of what is not comfortable for them to your point roxana you mentioned about tone policing that's the kind of behavior that we are Seeing, saying that, but ultimately people will take on this form of, I am being positive. I need to portray myself as being positive. I need to portray myself as I am helping. And I call it the kindergarten teacher form because I've experienced it. I mean, nothing against kindergarten teachers, but how do kindergarten teachers treat five-year-olds? Is that... How old are you when you go to kindergarten? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they take it on It's so, it, it, and, it, and they do it everywhere. It's tone police everywhere. I've been tone police like ever since I started. And it's because they don't want to hear it. They want to be like, la, 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 la. I only want to hear the information that's prevalent to me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, morning, the morning that you wake up and you want to write, or you want to like educate people for it, like some particular subject, they might wake up that day and be like, I'm not, trying to listen right. to them today. But that's privilege. If you're not trying to listen to one specific subject right. today because you don't feel like it, that's privilege, right? But you tone police, people tone police victims all the time. What were they wearing? What were they doing? How were mm. they walking? Were they with their you know male friends? Like why didn't they they just say that they had a boyfriend? We don't have to do any of that. Mm -hmm. And that's the bigger yeah. picture. Victims don't have to do any of that. They're always trying to like box people in. And that's this is what it looks like. They people who like to tone police, they like to keep you in a box. Sort of mm -hmm. like victims all look like this. All of them. All of them. And what you need to realize right. is that victims are also outside of the box. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Meaning that they could be outspoken. They could be professional women. They could not realize that they've been in abusive relationships all their life. They could mm-hmm. be really, really, they have an attitude. They have a, you know, it. victims come in all sizes. <laughs> right. All genders. Right. And in... I want to highlight a very important thing, right? Uh, you mentioned that, you know, when you post something, people have a problem with it. And this conversation itself, to some people might be negative, might be difficult to assimilate, but we need to have these difficult conversations, honest conversations, where for some people, these are the reality, right? Ro- uh, Roxana, you mentioned about, you know, yeah. You, you mentioned about gaslighting you mentioned about manipulation and if you have experienced a privileged life all your life right you will not be exposed to this reality you will not be exposed to this lens hence it will come as a fake story to you but the whole point is to dismantle all of these dismantle peel down all the layers what is happening in order to understand to take ownership to Roxana's point. How do we take ownership? So I want to explore resolutions right now. In in order to find solutions, in order for a positive to come about, we have to acknowledge the negative and the currency which we did. So let's yeah. move to the resolution. How can we explore so, also one thing that is very important is a lot of people feel like, okay, an issue happened issue we're gonna address it however it is that they address it right solutions so they do this little three-step thing issue address solution right seems very Mm -hmm. simple here's the thing if we're not addressing everything including root causes in the issue part everything else is bullshit Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really is because there's people that are feeling unheard in this stage okay now, I hear a lot of people who are like, well, if you talk about this stuff over and over again, how is that healing or productive, right? By you enabling somebody and letting them speak, letting them open up, creating that safety is actually incredibly healing and could actually bring very important solutions because when people are stuck in their anger stage, they're stuck in that unheard space. Mm. They can't brainstorm. So a very important thing to move forward and bring resolutions is letting people have their say and open up so you can come up with very beautiful, creative solutions that nobody has even thought about. I love that. I love what you just mentioned. That whole whole thing that you said, it's about humanizing, right? Humanizing, letting them have their say, having their voice being heard. And which many, many people do not even think of that. People think that just because we are in a conflict, I'm going to use my power to, to show who is in charge, right? Mm-hmm. And that eliminates, that itself eliminates inclusion. Right. That itself creates fear. Right, right. And it, uh, going back to the point that you mentioned about, you know, when you create fear, it's no longer safe safe anymore There's, it's no longer a safety space for people to to hold on to like okay this is the rope i'm gonna go bungee jumping 
Yeah, and this happens at any time. Sometimes, and like again, like in the mediation space or sort of like in a facilitation space, everybody feels like they're all moving along. Everybody is like, okay, we got all those deep, uh, difficult conversations out. I got my story out, and then something happens where everybody takes a step back, and it's sort of like, and everybody gets very frustrated at this stage, and it's natural to get frustrated because you feel like, oh my gosh, we're gonna bring all of that back. I thought we were doing so well. But that's because mm-hmm. several people or a group of people, they didn't feel heard. They didn't feel safe. Yeah. Or they sat there and they were just sort of like, I don't know how many workshop spaces you've been on, but especially like work workshops. And you're just like, right. Right. I'm just going to sit here and waste my time. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to talk to me about inclusion. They're going to talk about diversity, but they're not really going to talk about it. And you're sitting there as a person of color. You're like, what a load of bullshit. Right. <laughs> right. 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 And this is how I want to use this as an example. This is how, okay, we often hear this narrative of the angry black person, the angry black woman, or the angry colored person, the angry brown person, the angry Asian person, whatever Mm -hmm. the narrative is. Have we ever taken the time to understand why did the person get angry to start with? What triggered them? How did they get to this space? I think a lot of people are afraid of triggers, if you want me to be honest. They're afraid of people expressing themselves. Um, And they see me talking with my hands, (laughs) because I talk with my hands a lot, and being extra expressive. And if my voice goes to another level, they might feel intimidated. But here's a deeper thing to ponder. It's not what I'm saying. Like, it's not my expression is what I'm saying. And a lot of people don't take the time to listen to what I'm saying. Listening actively will get you there. So with a lot of people, with a lot of my clients, they might have like literal reactions. They cry and they express themselves. I'm not afraid of reactions. So I feel like that's what makes me a really good coach because I listen. And when I see a reaction, I'm like, yes. Automatically in my head, I'm like, yes, we can get to it. She feels safe enough to express herself or he, to express themselves. They feel safe with me. To me, that's a huge yes. To a lot of people, that's a huge no, because they don't know how to deal with triggers. Right, right. Wow, that, that's <laughs> a lot to take in, but it, it's a good point to understand. Uh, to, so I know we're running out of time. So one tip, well, one tip for the, the next two things. What kind of tip would you give to to people out there who are finding themselves in in an abusive environment where there is conflict? How can they find sponsors, allies, and success partners to come out of that situation? I think a really big thing, and I mentioned this today on my my Instagram, is stop minimizing what you're enduring. Because you're gaslighting yourself. A lot of people gaslight themselves. They're so used to gaslighting that they're like, they'll do it to themselves. Sort of like, oh, maybe I'm being too sensitive. So the next day they go to work and they're like, oh, I'm being too sensitive. Like, let me chill. Let me not, you know. But I think a big thing is stop minimizing what you're going through. It's affecting you on a subconscious level, obviously. Um, Start paying attention around you. See how people react. See how you're expressing yourself. If you're expressing yourself and you feel yourself getting like agitated, resentful, why? Start asking yourself deeper questions, why? If you feel stuck and you can't figure it out, talk to somebody. 
start doing some research on your own. Reach out to somebody who is an expert in this stuff because that's the best thing you could do. You could start opening doors and sort of validating your own story. And you don't have to say, you don't have to gaslight yourself afterwards to fit in an abusive relationship. You can never fit in an abusive relationship. You're sort of stuck in survival anyways. And that causes people to act not like themselves. So a lot of people, their personalities change over time. And they feel like, oh, it's because, you know, I'm going through something and it's really hard. Yeah, you're going through something. You're going through an abusive situation. And that's why your personality has changed. A lot of people outside of that relationship, they begin to, you know, blossom and do really well and go back to being the person that they used to be. To sort of like pay attention. Yeah, that's a great, great tip. That's a very great tip, Moxwana. And to wrap, wrap our discussion up, how can each of us become socially responsible to humanize conflict? If, if we see something, people say, oh, if we see something, say something. But mm -hmm. not just saying something, but how can we do something to humanize that space? Oh, gosh. See, that's a tough one. It's hard, like, in real life to walk around and say, oof, you know, or I'm going to jump in. I don't know what to do. I think it has to do with your tolerance level also, because a lot of people feel like I don't know what to do. They can make matters worse, honestly. If it's somebody that you know and is having a conflict, it could be as easy as I don't have enough information. Please don't discuss this with me. Like, I don't want to get involved, set a boundary. Setting boundaries is extremely important. And I think you should set boundaries with every single person in your life because that's how you're going to get to know yourself, your capacity, and other people's capacity. If you can't set a boundary in any relationship, you're dealing with an abusive situation. Yeah. Uh, I, I, love, I love what you mentioned about boundaries. And boundaries are such an imperative factor to even keep our own sanity. Mm -hmm. Right. If someone if someone is asking you, okay, no, you will take notes today. Uh, no questions asked. I'm your boss. No, you will do this today. No questions asked. I think you need to set boundaries. Saying, nope, I am a group. Uh, I'm a team member. I want to be active, engaged in this in this discussion. We can record this meeting. Right. Yeah. It, there has yeah. to be a level of um, assertiveness that you have to be okay with doing, you can't just go from like a people pleaser to all of a sudden be assertive. <laughs> be like, oh, you know what I mean? But um, again, practice makes perfect. So you continue to practice with your safe people. It's important to figure out who's your safe person. And then one day in real life, especially at work, you'll be able to have these types of conversations right. where you're like, no, 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 I only have an hour for you. No, 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 I have two hours to do this. Don't ask me for anything else. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, now, th these are great tips, not just to dismantle abuse and conflicts, but to humanize the spaces and to set boundaries. We are out of time for today's discussion. It was such a pleasure having you, Roxanne. Um, and folks, remember, in order to create a healthy, diverse culture, we have to deep dive into real issues that are present but often treated as though they are invisible. Conflicts are treated as though they are invisible. They are swept underneath the carpet, right? And we should not be treating it invisible. 
culture isn't only about ping pong tables and free tidbits or free dinner or happy hour, or free, or free booze, whatever you have. It is about creating a psychological safe space for all of your people to thrive in with equity, where diversity, humanity becomes integrated asset. Hardship is what we practice when we lead with empathy, compassion, love, and kindness, we will truly understand how people want to be accepted, thus creating an evolving culture. Humanizing conflicts and breaking down conflicts is such an important practice, not just in our workspaces, but in our life. You can find Roxana on Twitter, The Black Ship Survives. You can find her on Instagram, The Black Ship Survives. She does awesome epic live discussions on instagram with various various guests you can follow her on linkedin but predominantly you are active on instagram so follow her over there and you know if you want to find resources in how to how to tackle your own struggles how to put your own boundaries and how to approach conflict she is your expert thank you again roxanne um for being here that's all the time we have, Beautiful Hearts. Join me again this Friday while I will be dismantling discrimination within the LGBTQ community. Have a fantastic, fantastic Friday. See you all again.